Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Want some career advice from Alan Alda? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Show, where of course we help you to stand out and to get ahead. Friendly reminder at LeadX, we're on a mission over the next 10 years to catalyze 100 million leaders. One way we do this is by offering free world-class training to anyone, anywhere, at any time. You heard that it was free, right? Tell all the managers in your company to visit leadx.org to check out the course of the day. And today we have part two of my interview with the legendary actor, writer, director, Alan Alda. Friendly reminder, the audio quality is a little different because I was recording in Alan Alda's conference room in New York City. Today, you're going to hear us talk about his new corporate training company, Alda Communication Training, what his writing process is, his career advice for young professionals, and he gives us a great actionable daily challenge. Let's begin. Well, so you mentioned outside of, of the, just the scientists in the school settings, uh, I, I joked before, I said, so you weren't busy enough with the Stony Brook Center. You now have all the communication training, which I was surprised to see because I've been in the training industry for 30 years. I'm like, Alan Alda has a training company? Well, I didn't we, know. We just started it. So it started this year, within yeah. the last year, right? Yeah. And uh, it grew out of the, the fact that the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University was becoming so much in demand that we needed to scale up. We needed to put more money into it so we could meet the demand that was coming at us. So I decided to start this company that will work with corporations, give our uh, communication training, offer it to, to corporations. And it's a profit-making company, but all the profits will go to support the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook. It's a little bit on the model of uh, Paul Newman right. Foundation. Which has been incredibly successful. Really successful. They, they make a profit, but all the profits go to charity. And, and, and uh, you know, we're teaching empathy in our communication process. So instead of selling spaghetti sauce, we're selling empathy. <laughs> Not in a jar? No, no. You, unfortunately, you can't put it in a jar. That's the only thing. So tell me about some of the programs that the training company's offering uh, now. We've started with women in business because I think that's, a, that's something that I care a lot about and I, I think it's really needed. And it's so interesting to me that I've read several studies that showed that the higher up women were able to rise in a company, the better the company's bottom line was. So there's something strange about that because it's not common. Right. You'd think if it's profitable, it would be self-reinforcing. People would be scrambling to get more women in better positions in the company. Well, there's something about the culture, I guess, that's holding that back. Our little company is not going to change the culture single-handedly. The culture is on a path to better behavior. But while that's happening, I'm hoping we can give women the tools in business 
to navigate the barriers that already exist and that I hope are shrinking and disappearing. But meanwhile, they've got to cope with those obstacles. And we use some of the same techniques, just as we had to alter what we taught scientists about communication. We had to alter it to teach doctors and nurses about communication. Now we've adapted a little bit more for women in business and eventually we'll be working out programs on leadership and teamwork, all based on some of the same principles, the same techniques, the same exercises that we've used in these other classes. And today, do your clients come to New York to, to take the training? Do you bring your programs to the companies themselves? Well, at the center, we travel all around the world. Oh. We've done 150 uh, workshops at dozens of universities and med schools last year alone. And this year we've been, well, we, were, we, were, we have a partnership with the National University of Australia. This year we went to Oslo, Dublin, mm. Scotland. Next year we're going to Israel. Mm. So it's spreading. It's, we're part of a really interesting movement. People are understanding how important communication is. And this, I really think it's a unique idea we have to combine the uh, benefits of improvisation exercises that focus first of all on the connection you make with the other person and then pay attention to the other known uh, important elements of good communication. But it puts a different spin on them. The experience you get with the improvising makes the tips that you hear about good communication be accessible to you. If you just do it like a tip, it can be mechanical. I know you're not a fan of tips. I don't like tips. <laughs> I learned that when I did the research I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to, to do it. I'm sure that the reason you read my books is because it's fascinating. Read it. It, it is fascinating and very uh, entertaining. I actually didn't believe that you worked as a clown until I got to the clown picture. Yeah, oh, I thought right. you made that up no. as a joke. No, no. <laughs> there was a clown at the opening of gas stations and chicken parts stores. <laughs> Now, I never, I never asked why they need a clown to sell chicken parts. They were raw chicken parts. I don't understand it. Anyway, what was it you asked me? Well, I was curious about the programs for the corporate clients. And, you oh, know, right. You're, you're, you've been taking them all around the world already from the center. Yeah, well, for scientists. Right. Uh, but at the moment, we've, we've mainly worked in the city, but we're going to be going to Rhode Island with our next... Uh, project, so we're, we're ready to travel. Right, right. I wanted to ask you uh, about your writing process because, yeah. from your books to obviously numerous scripts, I, I'm curious. You know, do you have a special place you like to do your writing, or a special time? I mean, how do you how do you do your writing? No, I don't have a special time. I have a special process that's pretty pretty much the same way I work all the time. I find to get focused on a project. And this is interesting. It goes beyond writing. It might even go beyond some of the things that your listeners engage in. Because when I get started on any project, if it's even if it's changing my diet or writing something, it takes me about three weeks to focus my brain on that, so that I can I'm, I'm impelled. I have impulses to do what I want to do. 
And in the back of my head, the work is going on. I prime the pump and I let the work go on in the back of my head. And when it's ready to come out in the writing aspect of this, when it's ready to come out, I write it down. I've written lines for this book. Well, at a red light, waiting for the light to change. <laughs> Take out my iPhone and write down the sentence. I hope curve. you're not behind the wheel. No, no, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> we need standing, to clear, clear that up. standing on the curb, right. And I don't cross if, I, <laughs> if the light turns. But a while back, I, I learned a process from Norman Lear that was really valuable. It's to get everything down before you start editing it. He had a failure story that was wonderful. He was trying to write a half-hour script and he was suffering from writer's block. And he locked himself in a hotel room for 10 days, hoping he would do nothing but write this half-hour script. And at the end of 10 days, they carried him out on a stretcher. And he had one page in the typewriter with one sentence on it. Oh, wow. He was stuck because he kept thinking, remember I said before, it's not a good idea to think, how am I doing? Yeah. That's what he was doing. He wrote that sentence and he thought, is that the best sentence I can write? Maybe I can do another one. Let's see. No, that's no good. This is this is like you're reading my mind as a, as a writer. This is, this is why the pain you see on my yeah, face yeah. is the chat. Well, we all suffer from this. You've you got to not worry how you're doing. I, I divide it into two ways of working, two ways of thinking. One is totally subjective and the other is totally objective. The subjective part is you just pour it out. Pour it out on a page, on a, on a screen, or the way Norman did it. He was encouraged by a psychiatrist to dictate it hmm. and not ever go back and listen to what he said. And for years I wrote that way. And I could write a half-hour script sometimes in a couple of days because I got it all out. That's the first step. The next step is to be objective, to look at a transcription of what you've written and cross out every rotten thing that's there. And you look at it as if somebody else wrote it, which you will because you won't remember writing it <laughs> because you just spurted it out. Right, right. You say, well, that's no damn good. Now you got a bunch of good things, but they need transitions. And transitions are the most important part. Mm. Because transitions are how you keep somebody going from one good thing to another. You don't stop dead and have to start all over again. You keep stopping and starting. It's the way bullfighters tire out bulls. You don't want to tire out the reader. So good transitions are important. And then for good transitions, I go back to the subjective thing again. And then I go back to the objective. And then I go back and forth between those two ways of thinking. And it shortens the writing time for me. But more importantly, it's more creative because the back of my head knows more about this than the front of my head. The unconscious. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, we stumbled into the, the clown story early in your career. And... Um, Despite having a, a father who was successful as an actor, it took you a while to to oh, yeah. to really go. And you know, what what advice would you have for you know young creatives out there? We were talking about schools, and you know, my daughter. You know, when as a father, if she wants to go into say film, I want to say follow your dreams, kid. I want to yeah. encourage her dreams. You can be anything. And the other side, being the dad, is 
food and rent costs a lot these days. I hope, hope you realize that. I mean, what advice do you give to young creatives? Like, how long do they stay at it? You know, when, when do they know that they should give up and go do something practical like all those relatives told them? Yeah. Or not? I don't know. You know, I used to advise young people, don't do it unless you absolutely can't do anything else. Mm. And if you do do it, find some other way to earn a living just in case. Because most of us fail. I had that crazy confidence, born of nothing when I was young, that I would at least make a living. And all I ever wanted to do, by the way, was make a living. I never thought, I didn't even know what it meant to be well off. I just thought, if I can work in material that I respect with actors I respect in front of an audience that gets it, I don't care where it is, it could be a community or a small theater in in another city, it didn't matter to me. Oddly enough, those three things were fulfilled in my actual career in front of big audiences. But it it almost doesn't matter to me if if I can, even now, if I can do something that is really interesting to me, that's what I want to do. The most interesting thing I've done in decades is work with Louis C.K. on a web show called Horace and Pete. Yeah. I don't want to do anything else if it doesn't come close to as terrific as that experience was. Louis C.K. ruined you for so many other writers and directors. Yeah, it's true. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) I keep turning things down. But that gives me more time for all the communication training. (laughs) I want to ask you a a final selfish question. I don't know that any of our our listeners are going to care about this, but I do. You wrote that um, you used to kind of study from the wings when you were a little kid, Mm. and you'd be out on vaudeville shows with your dad and burlesque before that and you kind of study what was going on from the the wings and you actually well you said you watched everybody but you studied Blackstone the Magician well it was very interesting to me I think it was Blackstone I keep saying it was Blackstone I can't really be sure I remember (laughs) that name but maybe it was I think it was he was a great magician when I was about 10 and I would be standing in the wings watching him every show in a vaudeville theater. You know, they do four or five shows a day. And he took apart a card table, a poker table, the lid could, the top could come off and the sides, and then showed the audience all these parts, front and back. Then he put the table back together and pigeons flew out of the table. And the audience thought, oh my God, where did those pigeons come from? And I'm standing in the wings watching them from the side. I can see where the pigeons came from. <laughs> and that's what I learned watching actors from the side. And I wonder if it works in other professions. I wonder if you're observing somebody, a good salesperson selling to somebody else, if you're just watching from the side with nothing at stake, and you can watch both sides of that interaction, I wonder if you get the same benefit that I got as a kid, because I would stand there and watch the comedians, the straight men, and burlesque, the actors on the stage on Broadway, and I would see how they created the illusion, the same way Blackstone could hide the pigeons. Only they weren't doing it mechanically, they were doing it in a more artful way. They would go with his great actor, Sam Levine, who acted with my father in Guys and Dolls. 
every night he would do the performance in a different way. He'd say the same words, he'd stand in the same place, but it would come out of him in a different way, such, to such an extent that the audience would laugh at different times. Different lines would get the laugh. Now that's almost unheard of. Mm. And especially because actors want to get, if they get a laugh once, they want to get a laugh in that same place every night. He didn't care. He just followed it where it went. I learned more watching him from the side than I would have learned watching him from the front because that's where you get the full illusion. Yeah. But you see how they create the illusion from the side. I really, really learned a lot that way. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to find out more. And we're going to have the links uh, right on the webpage uh, for the show. They can find all the communication training uh, online. Of course, your book is If I Understood You, but I have this look on my face. And uh, I always challenge our listeners to get a little bit better every single day. And is there something in the spirit of better communication, better empathy that we could try today or in the next 24 hours, like a little challenge or exercise we could do? Okay, here's a little exercise. Because I realized that people reading this book can't find an improvising workshop that easily. Right, right. And even if you do have an improvising workshop to go to, you don't go to it every day of your life. So wouldn't it be nice to find something to do that could keep you, I don't know, kind of booster shot it up, right. you know? So here's what I, what I do myself. I've been doing it for the past few minutes we've been talking. I really try to see the person I'm talking to. That sounds like a dumb thing to say. It sounds sort of obvious. But in fact, sometimes I'll be talking to somebody for 10 minutes and I'll look away for a minute and I'll think, what's this person's face look like? And there's actually a blob where the face should be. So when I, when I remember this, which is most times now when I'm talking to somebody, I did it this morning in a meeting that I had, I've been doing it with you, I look to see what color your eyes are, what shape your teeth are, what color your hair is, what are you wearing? And I, I just take that in and it focuses me a little on you more, or just a little bit more. And if that leads, when that leads, to hearing what you say, to letting in what you say, something changes in my face and my tone of voice. And my letting you in changes me. And I think you see that change and something changes in you. Right. That's this dynamic thing that goes back and forth. Now, that's simple-minded and it sounds, it comes perilously close to being a tip. <laughs> so I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, but... It's, in a way, a symbol of the title of the book. If I'm not being under, you know, if you're not understanding me, maybe I should pay attention to the look on your face. Right, right. It's a great challenge. Pay more attention. It's fun. It's actually fun to be with another person. It's amazing that we spend so much time getting away from other people. Well, it's right, even when we're with them. And yeah, well, my, I'm thinking of what I'm going to say. I'm thinking of my laundry list. How long is this going to take? Right. You know, we have a chance every few minutes to be at the watering well with a fellow villager. And we don't take that opportunity. We're, we're a little wound up. But we can get a lot more done if we, t if we take in the other person. At least that's what I think I've found. And, and you're sharing it with all of us. 
Alan, thanks for everything uh, that you do, and thanks for coming on to the LeadX show. Thank you. This was really fun. I knew it would be fun. It was. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Friends, before we go, remember, at LeadX, we're on a mission to give free leadership training and professional development to everyone, anywhere, at any time. Visit leadx.org.org, that is, to check out our course of the day. Or visit leadx.org forward slash Branson to download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership. And please take one quick minute, go to leadx.org forward slash subscribe to subscribe and leave a rating for this podcast, The LeadX Leadership Show, leadx.org forward slash subscribe. Until next time, remember, you have incredible influence on those around you, your family, your team at work, your community. We all need you to lead mindfully. How will you lead today?